What happens when water is exposed to EMF or wireless radiation? Here's something you may not know. Water is conscious and it responds vibrationally to whatever it is exposed to. At Omnia we've done an experiment where we froze and photographed three samples of water. Water which was not exposed to EMF radiation, the baseline, looked like this. Water which was exposed to an EMF field, a 5G radiation field in fact, looked like this. And water which was exposed to EMF that is balanced by the Omnia radiation balancer looked like this. See the difference? Remember, your body is 70% water. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. Vampire one day and was like, Jessica, you need to be real careful about vampires. Well, really? yeah. man, you need it. This is juicy content for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I saw, I saw you hit record. Tell I know us. what's up. Hey guys, welcome back. Just a few announcements before we get started today. So our next webinar coming up on September 24th is on DUMS, the Agartha Network, Hollow Earth, the, uh, we call it a deep dive into the subterranean infrastructure. You guys are going to love it. We've been doing a lot of research. Uh, so far, we're at 91 slides and it's, gro it's still growing. So it's going to be another long one. Uh, the impossibility of covering the entire underworld in one webinar is it is it's impossible but we're going to do our best and provide some whistleblower testimonies and some really juicy information that's not really readily available stuff that uh, we've just uh, come across over the years so uh, if you're interested in that we have that and other webinars on our patreon it's only five dollars to sign up and that link is below in the description also Margie Kay, you guys know Margie Kay. She reached out to me and asked me to uh, speak at her conference coming up in Springfield, Missouri over Halloween, October 30th, 31st, and November 1st. I'll be speaking on the first day. So I'm super excited about that opportunity. She just wants me to share some of my stories. And I'll be talking about some of my own inner earth stories at that conference as well. And that ticket is available. Those tickets are still available. And I'll have that link below in the description. And as you know, our documentary is finally publicly available as Jessica just uh, I was just on Jessica's show the other night and we talked about it and Jessica you loved it you had some great stuff to say about it. so I'd love to hear your feedback and maybe you could uh, tell us what you thought about it yeah oh my gosh your documentary is fantastic I mean from the very beginning where you guys had the drone shots of the um, of the mound I mean it just pulled all this information together for me with the stuff that I research and I've been uh, remote viewing. It it pulls it all together from the giants to the ET connection to even in my field, I talk about dogmen uh, being connected and portals being around these mounds uh, because I, I visit mounds pretty often myself. We have two of them near where I live. And um, yeah, it, it's just fantastic. If, if you guys haven't seen that yet, I highly recommend watching that. Um, cause I can tell you guys put a lot of work into that and it's, uh, it's amazing. Well, thank you. We did. Thank and so thank you. And if anyone is interested, you can go to Cahokiauntold.com and you can watch it there. Uh, that link is below. 
as well. But tonight we are joined by Jessica Jones, as you know, the cryptid huntress. And I specifically reached out to her because I wanted to talk about a lot of her remote viewing data on the underground uh, cities, the underground tunnels, dumps, maybe even inner earth, uh, SSP bases, uh, portals, all the above cryptid breeding programs. So I know you're constantly doing this stuff every week. You're getting blind targets handed to you from certain individuals and aside from your own research and your own field investigations. And I know you have a lot to share. So let's just dive in and what's going on underground, y'all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. What's going on underground, y'all and all these uh, facilities and stuff. And here's the thing. When I first started coming across underground facilities and the SSP, mind you, um, I, I wasn't very familiar with the SSP, and I certainly was not going around looking for underground facilities. Um, I was tasked with targets involving cryptids, uh, people that were attacked who were, it was suspected, uh, potentially like a dog man might have taken them or, or killed them. Uh, I was also looking into, you know, Bigfoot sightings and, and just usually my targets deal with unsolved mysteries. Okay. And, uh, and that's how I kind of started off doing, I, I do those, I do shows on that actually on Thursday nights on my channel, the cryptid huntress over on YouTube and across social media. And, um, and so I was looking into cryptids and lo and behold, when I'm, um, assigning these targets, I'm looking at the entire, you know, if, if it's a, an incident that happened or if it's just, a an alleged cryptid that's on that property, I'm looking at the whole property there and I'm, I'm going up and down and all around uh, this property and to see what happened. And I've stumbled across many underground facilities and, uh, and, you know, as a remote viewer, I have to be kind of careful uh, where I'm, where I'm kind of digging around as they say. And so, um, but, but I've done some exploring and uh, absolutely uh, places that I've been uh, tasked with, like just coordinates, basically, even even ge geographical coordinates, uh, places that are national parks. A lot of them are government-owned lands. Most of them are actually yeah. uh, where these facilities are. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the first one that I can remember, where I came across some uh, secret space program information with one of my targets, was I was looking into an alleged dogman sighting. Uh, that another uh, there's a podcaster and author out there. Uh, D. A. Roberts actually had asked me to. Um, remote view a property, okay, or uh, this place is called the Joe Bald Wreck area, where he had had a, a, what he thought might be a dogman sighting, and he had a video of something peeking around a tree, and uh, and I had remote viewed that, and I found, there was information in my data that said SSP, and I wasn't really sure what that was, but I knew that you guys talked about the secret space program pretty often, and uh, and I and it did correlate with some of the information uh, that I had heard about uh, with with your programs that y'all do, and uh, there's an underground facility there, and it, it said that it was a layover hub, if that's even possible, a layover hub for the SSP. Um, but yeah, the, they had all sorts of labs down there where they were working with dogmen and creating chimeras and and all sorts of weird stuff was going on down there, according to my data. And where was this located? Missouri, uh, I believe it's called the Joe Bald Wreck area. Right, that's way south, way southern Missouri, almost on the border. But that's interesting, and it doesn't surprise me. Missouri, the more and more I'm researching this area, it's like there's a lot going on here, even in St. Louis. But we covered some in our documentary. But I mean, it's pretty wild. 
And it's interesting that Missouri got voted the number one place to survive an alien invasion. And uh, one of my friends, it was on the radio. We, I was working with my dad on this uh, construction job we were doing, and I overheard it on the radio. Like I was walking by and I had to stop. I'm like, wait, did I just hear that right? And then I did hear it right. So there's a whole list of potential places that survive an invasion. And for some reason, Missouri got voted number one. And, and you know, I told this to my friend and she's like, well, yeah, they wouldn't attack their own headquarters. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And she seems to think that there's a lot going on here. Um, nefarious stuff, which I can attest to just from the frequencies here and stuff. It's just not always the highest vibe place, but um, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So. Absolutely. We, well, we get a lot of reports of dogmen in the Missouri area and uh, even the Ozark, is it the Ozarks howler? Okay. Uh, that's, that's kind of like a dogman uh, out there. There's a lot of dogmen out in the Midwest, a lot of cryptids period. Okay, a lot of cryptids. Yeah. And uh, and I've heard recently a story of at least it's one to two dogmen in under the St. Louis Arch being shot. Okay, in broad daylight in front of people. Um, now that's secondhand knowledge. I didn't I wasn't there, but uh, but that's just a, a story that's going around right now in the community. Um, that you know, potentially that St. Louis Arch is a portal or something, is what I've been told. Yeah, I mean, we've heard that from many sources. Yeah, right. We've heard that. But the dogman thing, I've never heard except from you. If that was true, if they were shot in public, this would be one of those situations where I can imagine they would like mind wipe all the witnesses. I mean, I don't I don't I don't doubt that they do that if there were witnesses, you know, they could easily just, you know, whatever they need to do, just erase that little, you know, give you a false screen memory or whatever. Uh, we've heard a number of people talk about the arch being a portal. Uh, I've never heard about dogmen coming through. I've heard the story where somebody did sneak through the portal and they had to detain them. And uh, apparently there's a gatekeeper that constantly watches the portal and he is disguised as a homeless person there under the arch. Who knows? Like, who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this world is so strange. And uh, and this actually, so that, that dogman story, it, it goes back, it circles back around to something that I've heard about. Uh, there's a gentleman that goes on a, one of these podcasts. It's called, uh, it's Jeff Nadolny's channel, okay? And it's called Dogman and Paranormal Research or something like that. And uh, and there's a gentleman that goes on, he's, he claims to be uh, a part of this thing called the, do- the, the Dogman Breeding Program that is here in the United States. Uh, and this gentleman said, now this is coming from that channel. So I can't, I don't have um, firsthand knowledge of all this. But he says that um, they've had this breeding program going on with Sasquatch, werewolves, and dogmen since the 1950s. And that man, I, I think it was one of those, that those dogmen allegedly could have been part of that program uh, that were shot there uh, because they have these dogmen, werewolves, and Sasquatch. They say have handlers, they're chipped, they're collared. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the government. I think this guy says it's the government. Okay. But it's, if it's not the government, it's some kind of special agency um, that do utilize cryptids uh, allegedly for military purposes, for wartime, um, for even domestic defense here in our country. And, uh, and also to go after people um, like, let's just say assassinate assassinations and things like that. 
Right. Um, doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. There's an old James Caspel interview where he talks about this specifically with personal firsthand knowledge of a mission he was involved in with Dogmen. And he talks about exactly everything that you're talking about now. This was years ago that he was blowing wow. the whistle on this stuff. And I, if, if I could find that interview, maybe I'll link it, but I sent it to you actually. I don't know, know if you watched it, but um, it's, I think it's all highly likely. Yeah. Anything's possible at this point. Okay. Because yeah. uh, the things that I've seen personally, I mean, I'm a, I'm a field researcher, so I'm out in the woods all the time. Um, I have never come across a dog man or a dog man has never come, come across me either. So uh, not that I know of, I've never seen one, but I know they're out there. Uh, I have too many people who I know personally who have experienced them. Uh, you know, I was just talking to somebody this morning uh, who's a good friend of mine who lives up in Kentucky and uh, they have an enormous amount of dogman sightings up there. Uh, that's another place that I was tasked with a target, a remote viewing target of a family who back in the 1980s was allegedly mauled to death by a dogman uh, in the land between the lakes. I believe that's a national park up there. And, uh, and this was in 1982. There was a whole lot of, there's a, evidence to support it from uh, eyewitness testimonies that happened up there. Uh, the North American Dogman Project had done a documentary on it and, uh, and brought in some eyewitnesses from some things that had happened with the, you know, conversations with the police officers that worked the area. Um, and so, but people were still there. There wasn't like super solid proof, but there were, there were eyewitness accounts about it right. um, where a family, there was a, a husband, a wife and a son and a daughter. Mm. They, they, they went to the wrong place at the wrong time, apparently in there. Yeah. And so, so this would explain now, like we hear about Sasquatch being these benevolent beings, interdimensional, high frequency, high vibe. So if we're talking about some government or shadow government grown genetic experiment, right? Some breeding program that's being released to, to, to be aggressive. And these would be the creatures that are attacking people. I would say over the like regular, um, mm -hmm heart-centered Sasquatch, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I think that's the difference. I think yeah. we have organic beans and then we have grown laboratory yeah. experiments. Well, like well actually, I think there's a whole bunch of different categories because we've got the clones. Okay, so that's something totally different. Uh, and then with the breeding program, from what I've been told, uh, and I did remember, this was, this was tasked to me as a blind target. The, just the dogman breeding program alone. And, uh, and, and they say that and according to my data, also, uh, they're they're natural. They're they're bred like dogs would be bred, like dog breeders do, that kind of a thing. They're not uh, genetically spliced and all that. According to this is according to what that guy says on the on the on that channel. Um, but they are not they're not like cloned. They're not genetically modified. They're actually like from planet Earth, I guess. <laughs> they're from right. here. Uh, they're organic and uh, and they just breed them. But then we've got the clones, which I do believe that's happening as well. I think that uh, cryptids are being cloned and gosh, Lord knows what, you know, they're putting in them. And, and we've got the whole demonic aspect that comes into it. And um, have you ever come across cloning facilities in your remote view? Oh, um, I've come through across the underground facilities have cloning facilities in them, I do believe. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, a lot of like chimera actions going on in some of these facilities. Uh, I have stumbled upon that. Um, 
chimeras are a big, a big thing. And actually, uh, as a matter of fact, when I was at y'all's conference, uh, which was amazing, by the way, thank you for letting me speak there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, our pleasure. Thank you. Uh, our friend Daryl, Daryl um, James, uh, came up to me and, and said, hey, I got to tell you about some of the uh, human animal hybrids I experienced down in some underground facilities. And of course, I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I got to hear about this. And uh, and I brought it. I ended up bringing it on my show eventually after which, we got back home. And Which was an excellent episode. I recommend everyone watch that. Yeah. Thank you. It was one of my favorites. I mean, all of my shows are my favorite. Okay. I love all my shows, but that was one of my top favorites mm-hmm. um, where he talked about, and he's talked about it on your show as well um, yeah. about, I think it's called Max. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a, a human spider hybrid, which is terrifying. Okay. Uh, but he was saying that pretty much any kind of animal that you could think of has been mixed with human DNA. Yeah. Which is really scary. We're going to cover some of that in our webinar as far as Dulce, New Mexico and, and Nightmare Hall and what's going on in those levels underground there. Uh, there's been, you know, firsthand whistleblower testimonies about horrific things. But Aaron, were you going to say something just a minute ago? Um, no, you already said it. I was saying, I think uh, clones, I think is there, you know, they have, as we know, you you can clone a being just from having its DNA. So all they need is DNA of a Sasquatch or a Dogman or whatever, and they can clone an entire being and then they can control it, you know, and make it do whatever they're bidding or whatever they want to do. So I'm sure that's going on. Like you said, the breeding programs as well. Um, And then there's the organic benevolent or the organic beings that, you know, are obviously there as well. And um, yeah, I... I like, uh, do you know about, you know about Sunbow, right? Or have you ever heard Sunbow. of Sunbow? I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. We, we had him on the show a few months ago. Oh, and... I did see that. I saw that. Oh, and he, okay. he communicates with the Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. That. And he's, yeah. he's written three books called the Sasquatch message humanity, where it's like channeling a Sasquatch elder supposedly. Mm-hmm. And it's giving like the first book is, is amazing. Cause it's just giving all this information about them and they're giving the information about us and um it's talking about how they're in and they're they constantly talk about like they call them the dark lords which would be like the cabal or the the evil you know forces on this planet and how their their race is constantly under attack by by the dark lords as they call it and as well as us obviously and uh they're like that's basically the main reason why we have to stay and hiding so much and we can't just like openly come out because um for one they're under attack directly by them but then we're most of humanity is still like mind controlled in the system to where it's not safe as well you know so it's like until until like the awakening reaches a certain point then they'll be able to like fully uh come you know, out we'll be able to live with them that's another good point because they talked about how like the normal Sasquatch, they get hunted down by the government in the black helicopters. And we've mm-hmm. heard the sightings of that as well. If there's a Bigfoot sighting, sometimes the black helicopters will come over. They're hunting them down as well. Have you come across mm-hmm. any of that, Jessica? A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's very sad, actually, because uh, I feel like Sasquatch are just big, hairy humans, in my opinion. <laughs> OK, right. yeah. um, but but I've actually been sent a video of 
it was either military or law enforcement of some sort, I don't know, uh, in a helicopter. And they had a thermal device uh, that had a Sasquatch in its sights. And I didn't see the part where they they eradicated it, unfortunately, from what I was told. But they were um, hunting them down. Now, my team, my guys have been out in the field uh, up in, let's just say, national parks, potentially in North Carolina. Okay. And uh, and men come out in full military SWAT, gang, SWAT team kind of gear. Uh, and, and when the guys ask, Hey, what are y'all doing out here? They looked at them and said, we're doing the same thing you're doing and smiled and walked away. Uh, but oh, fully wow. armed was all their full regalia on. Right. So they're out there doing this. It's not the same thing. It's not the same. Completely different <laughs> not the same thing. Yeah. My guys weren't out there hunting down Bigfoot and stuff, but they were out there looking for them. You yeah. Know, um, right. Completely different motive. Right. Totally. Yeah. But they were out there. Uh, so Yeah. I, yeah, this, this happens. And, uh, and, and circling back to that dog man breeding program that allegedly is going on, uh, that I've heard about. And, uh, my, my buddy, Nick Sylvester came on my show and, uh, and is the one that brought this all to my attention. And so I give him credit, but he got it from, uh, Victor and, and, uh, that other channel. And so, um, so give everybody credit. Okay. So Jeff Nadolny and Victor and, uh, Nick Sylvester. Okay. So that's where I'm getting my information from. I don't know this firsthand. Okay. So right. let's, let me reiterate. Uh, but they said that, um, so recently they've decided to eradicate all of the uh, assets, let's just call them, uh, the werewolves, the dogmen, and the Sasquatch. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why, uh, either it's to cover the program up. Um, I, I, I don't know why, or maybe they've just gotten out of control in some of, some of the, um, beings like some of the dogmen potentially have gone rogue and they are hunting down and hurting humans uh killing humans um there's different numbers that go with that i heard that like 140 150 people uh were confirmed uh deceased killed by some of these assets let's just say uh over the past year and uh and so they do go out and and have what i like to call critter control <laughs> and uh go out and and have to take care of those rogue cryptids okay and and so and i actually had a man that came on my show about a week or two ago um who has a team that goes out there and does critter control let's just say uh, because there are a lot there they are a danger some of these dogmen are right. a danger to to people so so rogue yeah crypt, so it rogue, happens rogue cryptids i like that term rogue and cryptids. i think so i wonder if that's like uh that sucks for the actual Sasquatch, right? The ones it so does. the the yeah. rogue cryptids are being hunted down. So now they have to watch out. Maybe they and yeah. maybe they don't know who's who when they're hunting them down. So anything right. that they come across. Uh, but yeah. I think the I think, you know, some of them they might be able to just interdimensionally, you know, hop through a portal or whatever, which I know you've remote viewed portals as well. Uh, maybe yeah. you could talk about that. I know you've talked about it on our show before, but this is the first time we've interviewed you for a solo interview. You, you, you've been yes. on with other people and round tables. So maybe we can get into the portal aspect of what's going on in some of these areas, even like the national parks too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so uh, I've had blind targets that were just earth's natural weaponized portals. Okay. That was one of my targets that Barry Littleton gave me and you guys know Barry. And, uh, oh, yeah. and he, he comes on my show. We do a lot of work together actually. So I give him credit for some of these really awesome blind 
uh, coordinate remote viewing targets that he gives me. And uh, I just, I just love it. It's like my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite hobby is remote viewing. If y'all hadn't noticed right. other than big footing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, my, my team, my team. Okay. So for the people in the audience who uh, are not familiar with uh, my background, I am a originally a Bigfoot field researcher. Uh, I've been researching in the field since 2011. And I'm on three separate teams and I work with people from all over the country, but my focus is in the southeastern United States. And uh, and I'm out in the field all the time uh, with my team and with my friends. And uh, and we we are one of my teams is pretty well known for one incident. Well, we, we do a lot of cutting edge research, but we had an incident where we had a portal show up in the field. Uh, we didn't know it was a portal, but it turned out to be what we consider to be a portal a big cube. Okay. This is, a, it's called the Meadow Project. And, uh, and some, some people may be familiar with uh, my, the head of my team is Trey Hudson. Uh, he wrote a book called the Meadow Project, Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. And so uh, our research is in that book. It's ongoing, of course, but, uh, but we had this, this thing that showed up and two of our team members were sent over to check this thing out. And as they walked up to it, they were guided over to it over our um, ham radios. They got over to it. They didn't see anything. But as they walked up to this cube, their heat signatures disappeared. And they said the environment changed. And uh, from the, the stars disappearing to the vegetation changing on the ground, from being um, grassy and brushy to being smooth, um, stars were gone. The temperature dropped a little bit. And they said it was like walking into a black velvet curtain. And so they knew something was off. Both of them stepped back. And got out of it. They didn't know they were getting out of anything because <laughs> it was just an open field. It was just a little off. Okay. And um, and so when they came out of it, their heat signatures reappeared. We have this on video. Okay. And uh, it hasn't been released to the public yet. But it's been shown to the public at conferences and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, the oh, the thing shrunk down, by the way. As soon as I got out of it, it shrunk down. And then it moved and it disappeared. All right. Which was odd. And uh, and so us being remote viewers and things like that, we, we determined it was a portal. Uh, now, had those guys not stepped out of it, would they have disappeared with it? Hey, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe so. Did they um, experience any health effects or anything of that nature? Both. Yes, they did. Uh, both of them got sick with pretty major health issues within, you know, a short while after, um, within a year or so. I mean, this this portal was five years ago. Okay. So it's been a while. And, um, one of them got an aggressive form of cancer and he's still kind of battling that to this day. And, uh, and the other gentleman, he got a bad heart condition and he has since passed. Um, so yeah. And, and there was a spike of radiation. Uh, usually there are spikes of radiation whenever we're out in the field and we have, um, any kind of paranormal activity go down like UFO stuff, uh, light beings, um, orbs, Bigfoot stuff, uh, whatever's going on out there, we'll, we'll get a spike of, um, of radiation. And there was definitely a spike of radiation. So um, we don't, we don't say, Hey, that's why they got sick, but we have our suspicions over that. So um, my I interest mean, has definitely been in portals. Yeah. How could you not have suspicions about that? So yeah. have you come across any holographic or hologram entrances or mountains or anything of that nature, oh, yeah. any of that sort of tech in the field. Yes. Okay. So that's interesting because 
those portals seemed kind of holographic, okay? And, uh, and that's not the first time that anybody on our team has experienced something like that. Um, in another location, we, we, we do, uh, we have bases like where we go and do our, our research, whatever, I, I call them bases, but um, in the field, base camps, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and there's one up in another, actually in another state, uh, one of those gentlemen that walked through that portal that we have on video, he experienced another portal uh, with another one of my teammates up in another state in another area. Uh, and, it, and it was almost like you could kind of see it, like you know, like an archway kind of thing. Uh, kind of almost holographic would be a good way to describe that. Um, yes. Now, I have remote viewed. Uh, one of my blind targets was the holographic mountain. I believe I want to say Mount Adams. There's something that, Mount Adams. Yeah, maybe it was Mount Adams. Uh, one of those that Barry gave me. I have so many targets, y'all. It, it, it was. I, I remember you specifically okay. doing that video. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Holographic Mountain. I mean, there's UFOs, bases, uh, inner earth connections to these things. Um, it's way more common than most people would ever assume. Um, a lot of holographic stuff. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I agree. And I think that like a lot of these bay entrances to these bases are disguised by holographic technology. So you'll, it'll look yeah. like a, just a solid mountain to you, but if you could go up and walk through it. Uh, and I had a friend who yeah. told a story over in Columbia or something about, uh, they had this like sh shaman guide that took him in, into the woods or whatever for like seven days. And he ended up disappearing and they were trying to find him. And they there is like this weird like rock in the middle of, in the middle of the whole jungle and these really like 12 feet tall beings just came walking out of it and and they and they told their friends what happened they said he's with us and um there's like this inner earth there's like a whole other dimension inside of this mountain and somehow or another they were taken inside and they said it was like there was no there was no uh they weren't inside of a mountain. They said it was a sky. It was a whole other reality that led to like an inner earth civilization. Anyway, it's a wild story. Uh, I went, I had one of my friends heard the story and she went out there personally to go check it out herself. Didn't find anything. Didn't see anything on the last day. She swears that she saw a actual unicorn that came up and actually nudged her. Um, wow. And uh, a, white, a, white a white, unicorn. a white unicorn. Yeah. And she thinks that that was like, like confirming like hey you know you didn't get to see what you came to see but we're here this does exist so wow mm -hmm. i love that okay and so with the holograms and and these portals and all the stuff that people are experiencing out there uh it it kind of leads me in the direction of you know that's where a lot of these missing people are going out of our national parks you know and i know that's a little more on the dark side of things uh when you're talking about like inner earth and stuff like that uh, but that's a real issue that we have right now we have so many missing people in these parks and you guys know better than anybody um, oh, yeah. there's something nefarious going on like super yeah. nefarious oh, yeah. uh, but people are unwittingly walking into places that look like the tree line in a in a forest and uh and they're ending up in a whole other world uh, somewhere else and maybe it's not all nefarious maybe it's just um you know it's just the way it is i don't know yeah right <laughs> it's 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 very um confusing well, I, not knowing almost, all the answers you almost wonder if like those if it's hologram technology or if there are portals that are there already that are known mm -hmm. and that's why they made it into a national park to protect that area so i i mean it's anyone's guess i'm sure there's people out there in the know right um oh yeah i think so 
going to shift gears a little bit uh, before. Well, I guess for before I do that, uh, inner earth itself, or have you come across any data or anything that would suggest that some of these entrances lead to a massive underground city? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I've got, I've remote viewed things from high Brazil, the phantom Island. Okay. There's a phantom Island that, that came from inner earth, according to my data. Um, something that is super, super interesting, the giant of Kandahar. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people are familiar with that. And I was going to bring that up when we were talking about cloning a while ago, um, because that was one of my uh, blind targets as well. And the giant of Kandahar, that's an interesting story because um, people have heard these stories. And, uh, and I got to say, after I did the show on this, I had a, a gentleman contact me who in private, who told me that his child was actually, and it's not a child, it's an adult, um, had been part of one of those groups that went up there to get that giant. Okay. And uh, that my data was correct. He said, according to what he had been told. Mm. Um, but the, the military sent some teams in to go, they're up in Afghanistan in Kandahar. And, uh, and they were, well, the story didn't go like they were hunting down a giant, you know, they, they happened upon a giant according to the story. Uh, but with my data, my data suggests that they were on a mission to go obtain a sample from a giant there. They, they had um, a helicopter ready to go with a net. This is with the second team that went in to go look for the missing first team that went in uh, to the mountains. And uh, when they got there, they had, I mean, the giants were waiting for them and were ready to attack. And um, I was picking up the giants were actually from inner earth. There was an inner earth aspect. Like they came from inner earth, um, but they were there. They were waiting for those guys and they fought back. And, um, and the second team that came in and didn't manage to kill one of them. And, uh, and they took it for a sample. And what my data was saying was that it was a sample for cloning purposes. And I mean, you just got to assume our military is making super soldiers out of these things somewhere. Um, or they're injecting the DNA into regular humans. I mean, who knows what they're doing? Right. All of the above. All, the above. All of it. Right. Yeah. 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 I've heard yeah. that. I've read that account about the, you know, them attacking the giants in the cave. And there's actually detailed descriptions online out there. And even artist depictions of the giant being carried away in a net and a helicopter mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It's all, I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a pretty interesting one to dive into. Uh but what I was going to ask is something I don't hear you talk about much, but I know you've talked about it, is the undersea, underwater cryptids and the underwater bases or undersea bases as well. Can you share any of that data with us? Yeah. I can't remember if I've done an underground base yet. I don't know if I've done that, but I have done uh, water cryptids, okay, like um, aquatic extraterrestrials. And, uh, and, oh, in the campus out of Japan, that was my, my show from last week that Barry gave me two different targets. Uh, and of course I went to the lake this weekend and I was terrified to get in that water. Okay. <laughs> After this show. But, uh, but anyways, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think if I've done an underground base, uh, in you mean the undersea, 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 undersea. Yeah. yeah, that's what I meant. Well, um, what kind of underwater cryptids have you come across or ETs or whatever? Um, from what I can, okay, the most recent ones were the the Nomo, okay? The oh. Nomo are right. creatures that, they're like mer people, like yeah. mermaids and mermen, uh, but they're not pretty ones, okay? They were a little terrifying uh, that the Nomo, uh, the, no, the Do Dogon tribe, I guess, down in Africa had encountered. And so uh, Barry was interested to see if those were even real. And uh, and that's the funny thing is like Barry will give me, Barry Littleton, 
uh, he'll he'll task me with some coordinates. And he doesn't know if these things are real or not, but he he gives them to me to see if I can get some data out of them. And uh, and so yeah, I got some data out of those. I mean, they were, I mean, I was picking up on on mer mermaids and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and so I do believe those are real. I do believe they even exist to this day uh, out so. there. And uh, in the Kappas, that's a strange one. My goodness, they were like, they almost look kind of human, but they're they have like a, a bird beak and they have um, a turtle shell and they're savage and they're savage. Like they'll, they'll drown people. Uh, they'll eat them. Uh, they kidnap kids. They assault women. Like they're, so these are, they're horrible. Are they, what do they called again? Kappas, K-A-P-P-A, -P -P -A, a Kappa. Okay, Kappa, Kappa. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you heard of those, Aaron? I have not. I haven't heard of that. So it's like a, like a Ninja Turtle, like with a turtle. It shell? looks like, yeah. Some, <laughs> somebody in the chat actually said uh, during the show, what? they said, uh, this looks like a ninja, like something they based the Ninja Turtles off of. I was just going to uh, say, maybe that's where they got it from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's a whole other rabbit hole with the Ninja Turtles because they've got, you know, my son watches them sometimes and they talk about the multiverse and uh, they have all the different dimensions really? of the different turtles. Every season, they're a different dimension and sometimes they overlap and they meet each other in person. Wow, they look a, a little bit different. Yeah, advanced a lot since when I was a kid watching. Yeah, right. It was like just underground sewer dwellers whenever we were kids. Right in the right. early nineties. Yeah. But oh yeah. But it is still a genetic mutation. It is a an experiment. Essentially, they they make it seem accidental on the show, but maybe it's like hinting at a real program, right? Yeah, or just real creatures, and they're trying to put a backstory to it before we before we see the real thing. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that these things go way back for centuries and centuries. I mean, they have statues, like ancient statues of the Kappas in Japan. Right. Okay. And uh, and even the like reptilian lizard people and things like that. I mean, they go back for centuries. Mm -hmm. uh, stories of them. They didn't just come out of nowhere. So have you come oh, across yeah. under, underwater portals? Well, you know, not not in remote viewing data that I can recall. Um, I always suspected that the Loch Ness monster might be coming out of a, a portal under the water. Uh, so I don't know, but I, I have not been assigned that target yet. So yeah. I, I don't know where that's coming from. Are, but um, are you able to talk a little bit about how you how you like achieve a blind target? Like, what data are you working with? Is it just specifically coordinates, or do you yeah. get other information? I get a set of eight numbers. I get two sets of four numbers. So that's uh, what I usually do is called coordinate remote viewing. And uh, and so, and I've been trained on several different modes of remote viewing, uh, but that is the main mode that I use, especially for the the targets that I do for my sh the show that I do so that I can have some actual data written down for people to see and see the process that I, I use. Um, for these and and plus like let's just say for instance last night um the, the head of my team will send out an, a, a high priority target occasionally and uh, and it's just a set of numbers and uh, and when i get a high priority target it's usually like a missing person or a cold case or someone's it's a mysterious death or something and so last night was a tough one but I, i'm not going to get into details about it but it was someone who had died um and so so with the with the remote viewing i am given coordinates and we call them coordinates even though they're not usually geographical coordinates, they can be, uh, but they are just a set of numbers, uh, random, super random, but they're assigned to a target. Okay. Just like the target for the campus was like the Japanese campus, <laughs> you know, like, what are they? Right. Um, so 
So basically, if I wanted to give you a blind target, I would I would have the place in my mind and I would assign numbers to that location without telling you. Yes. And I, I just give you the numbers. And based on the intention that I put into the numbers, you can uh, collect data from it. That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to expect a couple of uh, targets from you now, Tyler. OK, I got them. I, <laughs> yeah. I got them lined up. Um, OK, targets. Be sure. Yeah. You too, Aaron. Yeah. Now I don't yeah. want everybody sending me targets y'all. I'm just telling Aaron and, and Tyler too. <laughs> Getting a thousand of them now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So you, you just recently got back from a Montauk. You were uh, on a trip at Montauk Camp Hero, or Camp Hero, right? That's what it's called. Correct. Yeah. Right? And uh, how was it? Can you tell us about it? Did you have any interesting <sighs> things happen there? Yes, it was amazing. It was it was such a great trip. It was so interesting. Uh, so I went with a group of people, including James Rink, who I met at your conference. Okay, mm -hmm. um, a, a big group of us went up to Montauk, New York. And uh, for people who are not familiar with uh, that area, that is where the uh, Project Montauk allegedly took place up there. And I say allegedly, even though I was with a whole bunch of survivors of that program. Um, we, there are about 25 of us, I think. I mean, we had two big houses full of people up there. Uh, and some of our, our friends were from uh, like Czechoslovakia and stuff. Like we had people from all over the world that came up and joined us. Wow. Um, we even had uh, one of one of the sponsors of our trip was Bob Estes with Estes Satellites and stuff. I oh, mean, wow. we, we, we had such an amazing group of people with us. And um, and I had some of my Bigfooting friends come and meet us, like Long Island Bigfoot, Mike. And uh, and Brian from Montauk is Strange on YouTube. Uh, he he had the entire history of uh, Camp Hero down pat. Like he he was like our tour guide that weekend. Um, and it has a very dark history. Okay, Camp Hero is where this project took place, and uh, and it was full of you know MK Ultra mind control, kidnapping children, uh, drugs. I mean, basically the Stranger Things TV series was based off of Project Montauk. And it was yeah. like a watered down light version from what very really happened. Down. Very watered very down. Very much. Yeah. I, we had Arkeem Ra with us um, and mm -hmm. uh, and James Rink and uh, and several other people. Not everybody wanted to be um, named. Okay. Uh, they were there anonymously. So, um, but yeah, it was, I, I was actually a little worried uh, going into this trip because um, I was worried it was going to be really traumatic for a lot of people. And uh, I don't believe that I was ever a part of any of those programs. Um, but I was there for support and I was also there because there's, um, well, there's different reasons I was there, but for one of the reasons, uh, they have a Sasquatch allegedly on that property. And my friend, Mike, who I invited up to come hang out with us, he has pictures of this thing. It's called, they call it junior and junior was part of the Montauk pro project. And, uh, and he still roams the, the area there. And, uh, and Mike has had some contact with him. So, uh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, Mike and, and some of the guys got a video of a Sasquatch on the property while we were there. Really? Um, so, yeah. Nice. So we were, we were there for, the, I was there for that. Uh, in addition, also, it's like, and, but wait, there's more. Um, it was the anniversary of the USS Eldridge potentially showing up in the ocean right there at Camp Hero. Mm -hmm. um, every oh, 20 wow. years. Oh, this is this is like the coolest thing ever. Every 20 years, there is what they call a biorhythm biocamp portal that opens up there at Montauk. And uh, and they say that if you're posted up on the beach or there's like a five mile span of like where this thing could show up 
And it's a portal and it's the USS Eldridge from the Philadelphia experiment stuck in a time loop over and over again every 20 years. Apparently, this is like what they were using to teleport the ship, okay, and to make it go invisible back in 1943. They were utilizing this biocamp rhythm, this portal that was going to open up. It's like this burst of energy. Um, and so we were going to be there to go witness this ship showing up. Now, there was a group of us that rented a boat. They had a big, a big boat. And some of those guys were out on the ocean, guys and ladies, like eight or 10 of them were out in the, in the ocean that morning of August the 12th. It happens every 20 years on August the 12th. That right. was on a Saturday. Right. And, That's uh, a Syrian portal as well, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's what they were utilizing for that experiment. And so on um, August 12th, 2023, we were all there. And uh, some of us were out on the, the shoreline. Uh, we were posted up along the beach up in Montauk and um, in Camp Hero. Uh, we had a group in the boat. And the strangest thing happened, you guys. That morning, I mean, the weather had been so perfect and so beautiful and the skies were clear. And, um, and my friend Brian and Arkeem Ra and I were in a car together. We were dry, We were going to drive out to where the ocean was to go see this uh, that morning. And this strange fog rolled in. And I'm not saying fogs are not natural. Okay, it's totally natural to have fog out by the ocean. Uh, but it kind of came in a little late in the morning and it stayed all day. It was so bad. We could not see anything in that ocean that morning. And uh, around 3 o'clock that afternoon, 3.30, PM, the fog finally rolled out um, and, and the sky cleared up perfectly, which, but it was very odd because we had been there for like, we were there for almost a week. Okay? They were hiding something. I, I they mean, were a hundred percent hiding yeah. something. And, uh, and, and we all, we all had the same feeling about it. It was very unnatural. Uh, there was weather manipulated. Okay. And uh, it's almost like they had fog machines that just kind of blew it in. Cause there were, there were, it was more than just us out there looking for it. I think other people other people knew about it. And, um, but we were there for it. The people in the boat, they said that, okay. And I had remote viewed it. Another part of my, my job of going there, I was a remote, I remote viewed what was going to happen that morning and where that the USS Eldridge would be and like what to look out for. Okay. And, uh, and my data was suggesting it was, um, the waves would be moving perpendicular to each other, almost like in squares. Okay. Like square waves. Um, and it would, I was just seeing like square clouds, square waves, something like things crashing together. And, uh, and, and the data was saying, watch out for that. Like, watch out. Like it could be dangerous. Okay. I personally didn't want to get sucked into a portal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have experienced portals now, so, um, I did not want to be in that boat. <laughs> Let's put it that way at all. And, uh, but the people that were in the boat, they reported seeing green and blue lightning. OK, and uh, but they couldn't see like where it was going or where it was coming from. But they were seeing very interesting, odd lightning out there. And they said that there were square formations in the clouds up there and uh, and the water was doing it as well. Uh, and so they, they took pictures. Um, I have I never got completely debriefed on what all they saw out there, but um, we, we didn't get the action that we were expecting because we couldn't see. Uh, but they did have some action out there. And we believe that it was a very high possibility that the ship did reappear that day. Wow. We just couldn't see it. And I mean, if, if they know, if the government or whoever knows it's going to reappear, 
of course they're going to just you know roll some fog in. They're not just going to let people right. witness that, right. especially if they, right. if they know exactly where it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a little cover up. I mean, that was just our feeling. I think all of us had the same feeling. So uh, they were just covering it. They knew you guys were out there. They knew you guys were like, all right, we can't let them see it. We're gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah. They put a hologram up. I don't know what that was. I have pictures of the fog. It's super thick. So have have you um, looked at Montauk itself? How deep does that facility go? Or do you have oh, yeah. any idea? Interesting, because I was tasked to target after the fact of that uh, for my buddy Michael, DHP, uh, Michael Roser. Okay. Yeah, I know. And, him. Uh, yeah, was, Michael, Michael's Belize cool. With, I was in Belize with him for 15 days, actually. In a, in oh, a, that's right. Yeah. Oh, he told me about that. You, Y'all and Jim Goodall. Yeah, I heard yeah. all about that. That's my dance partner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, he was with us on that trip. He was with, in Montauk with us. Michael was. And, uh, and we, we had a really cool time with Michael. And, uh, and so he, he had tasked me with the target of where we did a healing ceremony. Okay. So this is something I had not gotten into. We, we actually were there doing a healing land ceremony there too, uh, with all the survivors of the Montauk pro program that were there with us. Um, we spent, it was actually on Saturday that morning when the fog had rolled in and we couldn't see the ocean. We went to Camp Hero and did a big old ceremony out there uh, to try to help release some of the souls and all that negative energy and just to, just to, just to heal it and, heal, and to heal the people. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, where this circle is, where we were kind of in a roundabout in the barracks area, um, they say that that's where. I don't know if that's where they were doing teleportation and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was really, really interesting because some of the survivors, when we were standing out on the bluff, they call it the bluff. It's like the super high edge that like looks out over the ocean. There's like a hundred foot drop off or more um, that goes straight down to the ocean. And there's signs that say, stay back 25 feet. <laughs> of course, everybody's like right on the edge looking right. down. And um they were telling us about how when they were children in this program, they would jump off that cliff for flying lessons. Wow. Kind of like Peter Pan. Yeah. A lot of superhuman experiments were done there. And I think that's partially how a lot of those kids lost their lives there, too. Um, but from probably doing stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Um, but as far as the underground part goes, like, did did you get a sense of how deep? Yes. Is this just, just like a surface, mm -hmm. like a, a few miles, a few levels below the surface? Or are we talking about an extremely deep dome here? It was very deep. Okay, so I was tasked with the target of remote viewing that circle, okay, and to find out what's going on there. Um, and I, I didn't know what this was. And my data was like, um, teleportation, you know, um, there was all sorts of like, I was actually remote. Uh, my, my data, first of all, was like full of like met metals and, uh, like copper and minerals and things like that. And then I was getting into metal and I kept going deeper and I was, I was going straight down apparently in this target. And, uh, and <laughs> there was like generators, there were crystals down there. I mean, there was all sorts of like interesting stuff in this area. Um, which is some of the same data that I'd come across with other targets, like the Bermuda Triangle, okay, with some like crystals that were down underneath the ocean uh, that were basically used as, for power generating and things like that. And, and the Dark Pyramid of Alaska, too. Uh, some of the same, there's some of the same data for a lot of these targets that I do. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some sort of big power generator down there. There's uh, just a big facility down there, too. And uh, I don't, 
I don't know where it goes. Uh, once I started realizing that I was poking around and some, something I wasn't supposed to probably be poking around in, I got out of it mm-hmm. for my safety. And I yeah. don't, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> Have you ever yeah. encountered, um, like, are there securities or stuff like, re- or I guess facilities that you can't remote view? Like, is there some sort of block or something like a firewall? Do you ever encounter that? Um, you know, I, I haven't yet. I mean, but, but here's the thing, like I am very intuitive. And of course, when you're remote viewing, I got to go with my gut. If something feels off and I don't need to be looking at something, I'd pull out of it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I have to be careful who I allow to task me targets. Uh, I have to be able to trust that person and they have to know the parameters of like where I'm going and where I'm not. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, there's yeah. nothing that is, yeah. Go with your gut. Simple answer. Yes. I mean, that's hundred percent. It'll keep you alive. That's how all yeah. of our yeah. decisions making should be done. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. And I I've learned, I've learned nothing else at all the past few years. It's just right. to go with my gut. Well, and that's why what yeah. we see right now on the, on the news and propaganda and everything uh, they're constantly pumping you with information. So you're in your head overthinking everything and you, you you don't even know how to tap into your gut anymore. And that's what they yeah. want. And that's why these people are seem like they have no common sense anymore. I mean, they're literally being manipulated away from using their intuition. So, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. And the, the checking the facts and all that kind of stuff. Like, right. uh, yeah. so, yeah. that, so that we don't use our, our rational brains. Right. It's all um, mind control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. 100%. A lot of MK ultra going on here. Totally. Yep. So I'm gonna mind control. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that is um that Allie Carter, the the female who came forward dropping all the names, she was a trafficking survivor and uh um you know making allegations about Joe Biden, Obama, all these all these oh, celebrities yeah. and stuff. And she talks about the underground tunnel network that goes to these celebrities' houses and and what's actually going on. But she talked about something I've never heard before. And it's the MK Ultra blueprints. And she talks about a blueprint. She sh- it's like a physical blueprint that's broken up into quadrants. And this is how they monitor in- your altars and create your altars. And and like it's each each MK Ultra victim has a set of blueprints. And they can like basically track that person through life and steer them in certain scenarios and whatever they want to do. Like that person doesn't actually understand they have no free will. Um, if they are a victim to this and the movie, the adjustment bureau kind of shows the same map in the book, you know, Aaron, you know, I'm talking about like, I'm like, I, at first I thought that map, that book in the movie was just like a sci-fi aspect to it all until I heard Allie Carter talking about this. I'm like, Oh, they actually have blueprints and they're actually monitor these people and track them. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's completely wild. Anyway, that was, that was just a little side note, something. Oh my gosh. Well, Tyler, I had I had never even heard of a lot of this stuff before, and you know, and I do the remote viewing, and which is a form of mind control, and it's controlling my mind, okay. And yeah. uh, but I, I wasn't super familiar with the um, with the altars and all that kind of stuff until I went on this trip to Montauk, and I was with James Rink and Arkeem Ra, okay. And uh, and I spent a lot of time with these guys. It seems like I've I've gone to the state. I live in Georgia. I've gone out to like conferences and events, and even to Florida and stuff, you know, to the day of being, and. Uh, 
everywhere I go, James is there. <laughs> okay, James Reed. So <laughs> like, I've become really good friends with James. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're there too, Tyler. You were at the Florida trip. Okay. Yeah. So um, so yeah, we're we're kind of I guess I'm kind of running into my my soul tribe, you know, and uh, and we're we have a lot of things in common, uh, but these but they were James and Arkeem uh, really opened me up to the the mind control and the altars and uh, and all these secret programs and. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I never in a million years could even fathom being real. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, whoa, okay, it's possible. But now now I believe it. Like, right. um, this is a deep, deep rabbit hole. And, oh, and yeah. that's why it's important. That's why it's important that you're doing the work you're doing and actually remote viewing these targets because it brings another layer of credibility to the testimonies. So like guys can c- come forward with these memories, but when they say this happened to me here, and then you remote view it and you're like, oh, wow, this is an underground facility. I do see this. Mm-hmm. And the data matches like this. That's really important in a time where everyone's getting ridiculed. So yeah. I think I think it's right. extremely crucial, actually. Yeah, I think. And I think that that's how I kind of connected with a lot of those guys was I had remote viewed things that they had been talking about for a long time. And I didn't know these people. I'd never met them before until I went to your conference. And mm-hmm. uh, and so there is a connection. And yes, there is just a natural um connection between us and, and, and me and them and the work that they're I'm doing and the things they are talking about. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's actually, it works. We work well, well together. Mm-hmm. And you guys had some Sasquatch activity out at the conference, right? We did. Well, we went up and were stargazing one night. Uh, the last night we were there, uh, I know James had had more activity than the rest of us. Uh, but yeah, we were up there looking at the stars and, we had we had some interesting activity up there. I think um, James got some of it on. Um, rec- he recorded some of it, I believe. But there was definitely something in those woods right. for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people had yeah. like even even my dad had an experience where he heard like whistling, and other people had experiences where you know in the first conference too, like they somebody every time has some sort of communication with a Sasquatch via telepathically or they're hearing sounds. Uh, whatever the case is. So I do believe there's something going on out in Grafton, Illinois as well. Man, there's so many cryptids out there. Right. I it's, mean, my goodness. Yeah. What is that thing that was on the side of that mountain? It was like a... a oh, the a, Piazza bird or whatever? Piazza yeah. bird. Piazza yes. bird. Yeah, yeah, that was something crazy that um, clearly they drew what they saw, you know? <laughs> like, it's one of those things. Like that. Oh, yeah. That was a real... You could call that a cryptid, essentially, you know, it's whatever that was. Uh, For sure. Yeah, it's like some sort of winged bird dragon with horns and claws. Giant, and giant though. Yeah. Giant, yeah. 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 And it ate people, it ate mm-hmm. humans. Yeah. Supposedly, yeah. yeah. That's the, the whole story about how they captured it was that they actually used a human as bait at the cave entrance. And they were able to, that's how they ended up killing it. Um Mm-hmm. by using a human as bait and they might have even lost somebody in the process but they did end up killing it, it that's the story wow. right oh yeah uh, so one last topic before uh we wrap things up have you uh, have you encountered any bases or facilities on other planets or planetoid bodies absolutely I sure have. Um, and which which could potentially relate to the secret space program. Uh, I believe two of them, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the and these are blind targets. OK, um, that I've gotten and that Barry Littleton assigned me. So I want to give him credit. Um, Trappist one star system. That's one. 
And then the other is uh, the dwarf, the brand, the dwarf planets of Make Make, Sedna, and Hymea, I believe are the names of them. Or Maki uh, Maki. I, it's what some people call it Maki Maki. 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 Yeah. I said Make Make. I don't know how to pronounce it. It sounds Japanese or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, well, yeah. That's my southern pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the American but, uh, pronunciation. Yes, Americanized. I'm American. Okay. But, um, but anyways, yeah. Um, so I was assigned these targets. Now it was the, okay. The, the ones with the dwarf planets, that was actually the target was ET bases on those planets. Okay. I was remote viewing ET bases on each of those planets. Um, I was picking up on, well, let, let's go to Trappist one. Let me start at that one. Trappist one star system. I thought when I got done with that target, I usually will uh, send Barry my data, okay, all the stuff that I've written down um, after that session is over. And I, when I got done with the target, I thought that I had remote viewed Earth in the future. And, uh, and Barry got the data and he said, wow. He was like, okay, so what did you think? He always says, what do you think this is? And, uh, and I said, well, it appears to be Earth in the future, but there's a lot of slavery going on. I said, it looks kind of bleak. Okay. And, uh, and he said, okay, well, that's very interesting. And, uh, because I was seeing, um, high rise buildings, mid rise apartments, vehicles, uh, humans and humanoids. Okay. So I wrote down humanoids, not only humans. Um, I was seeing, uh, road systems like highways and, uh, you know, vehicles, like vessels in the air, whatever they were. I don't, I can't say they were completely like airplanes, but I didn't know what they were. Um, but yeah, it, I just thought it was earth, but in the future potentially. Um, but people were being held there against their will. And, uh, and I picked up, I remember picking up on top brass, like military, like people like generals in our military and things like that were there. Like a whole lot of military action was going on up there. Um, and so that that was a very interesting one. There's a whole lot of data on that. I have a show on it if anybody wants to see it. Hit the Cryptid Huntress. Just go to my playlist. And this is and the Trappist. This is the Trappist one. Yeah. Trappist one star system. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first thing that I like for my sketch for my stage three section of my my because there's like I usually go like five stages usually on my remote viewing targets, and my stage three is a drawing or a sketch. And on that drawing, it looked like a set of stairs, like a staircase or an escalator or something. Uh, I don't know what the significance of that was, but I do remember drawing that. Mm. But uh, but it had something to do with there was a lot of like mining going on there. Mining and like digging and something for natural resources. I guess mining for natural resources was going on there. Sounds about uh, right. But... Yep. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Are you all familiar with that one? Uh, <laughs> well, guess. no, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Like people have testimonies where they're mining on other, like Tony Redwigs is mining on, they're doing mining on Ceres colony. And then we've heard uh, Nero Isley going to the moon, uh, mining yeah. on the moon. And it just comes up in testimonies a lot. A lot of these SSP testimonies, it lines up. Yeah. I actually, wow. have, I actually have a memory. I, I could, I, I could say it's a dream experience, memory, whatever, of being on some sort of planet some planet somewhere mining as a slave we're mining and we come across something so significant and i remember reporting to the authorities what we found i don't remember what it was and um everyone's like what what is it what is it what is it and then i heard someone else i overheard someone say 
I don't know what it is, but it's so significant that Bill Gates is is on his way to this planet right now. It's something really, with, and this, yeah, with Bill Gates. And I don't know, it, it could be, it might not mean anything, but uh, if let's just pretend it was true. I mean, these elites and these people, like they know about these programs and they're probably involved and they probably are going on trips all the time. And we heard that like, oh, yeah. Andrew Bishago talk about uh, being on Mars with Obama and like, mm -hmm. and, and being part of that time travel program. They all know, they're all in the know. Not maybe, you know, it's compartmentalized, but uh, this planet is nothing what we think it is. Oh my gosh, absolutely not. I mean, I've I've actually been assigned uh, time travelers as a blind target. Okay, it was like the keepers of our timelines and time travelers, and right. it's yeah, nothing is what we're taught whatsoever. And uh, and it's that's why I just love doing these remote viewing targets and looking into things like this and these off off worlds, off planets. Uh, there, but there's there's humans there, and I, oh. you know, and, and maybe, I mean, the humans are considered to be like ETs, but they're just like humans too. So I right. don't know. It gets a little, it gets a little muddy there, but uh, they look like us. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're going to come across the five-star human figure all over the galaxy. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the template for this reality. So yeah. I mean, obviously an intelligent life form is going to take that form, but not, in every case, I think it can appear just as just like any insect or bug or aquatic animal we see on this planet. You could probably mm -hmm. find an intelligent version of it somewhere. That's right. And they're going through portals and stuff, too. And I, it, I forgot to mention when we were first talking about uh, portals and I had mentioned I had remote viewed Earth's natural weaponized portals. Uh, I, I immediately started off that target on the sun or in the sun. I was coming out of a, a, I was being sucked into a portal and out of a portal through the sun, which I thought was weird because I didn't know what the target was. It was blind. Okay. But, but Barry said that was very interesting that I actually was on the sun when I was remote viewing a portal for the earth. Yeah. I've you know? I, so a number of people talk about the sun being a portal. And, yeah. I, and I can film, I talked about this in the last episode, I filmed, like you can film, anyone could go out and film the sun in the middle of the day when it's at its highest point, zoom mm -hmm. in all the way. When you watch the video, zoom in again, you're going to catch most of the yeah. time, you can see things coming in and out of the sun. Mm -hmm. Like it's, wow. you can catch it with your phone. I don't know how it works, yeah. but I mean, I've seen it and it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's not what we're taught. No, that's for sure. You know, and I have a kid. I, I, I'd hate to be his teacher and hear all the things that come out of my kid's mouth, knowing who his mama is. Right. <laughs> and all the things okay. I talk to with him about, because he knows what I, when I do these targets. I mean, I'm, I teach him as I go, you know, and I, I'm sharing information with him. And, uh, and I'm just like, okay, this is not what you're going to learn in school, but this is what mommy remote viewed. So, uh, but you still awesome. got, you still got to take your tests and listen to your teachers. Okay. <laughs> Right. Play along while you're there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. That's amazing. We gotta teach our kids. Yeah. That, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That you have the courage to do that. You know, some some parents might. Well, not everyone is as confident in their information as you are, so they don't know what to tell their kids. You know, uh, and yeah. it's tough because you don't want to like interfere with their path and whatever they're supposed to, you know, mm -hmm. en encounter anyway. But I think it's incredible that you know you have that kind of relationship with your son. So. Oh yeah, there's no telling. There's no telling what he's talking about right this minute. Actually, uh, his school. Who knows? <laughs> um, nice. Have you heard of the Montauk Surfer, the time travel, time traveling surfer that appears? I sometimes? think that that was mentioned, but I don't. I'm not familiar with it. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if you're familiar. Apparently, like, uh, it sounds cool. 
apparently there's a lot of surfers in that area but there's like this people have like experiences where the surfer will like show up in their room or like come through their computer screen or whatever and there's like this there's like this mysterious photo where this like modern day young guy like look like he's from now is in this old photo like he's a surfer he just doesn't belong and people say that he's a time traveler Uh, anyway i don't know if you had heard of that yeah no, we have so many time travelers and pictures right now and stuff. People holding up cell phones at like a, a boxing match from the 19, you know, 60s right. or something. I don't know, like Apple iPhones and stuff. I mean, uh, I think there's so much more. There's so much time travel going on right now, back and forth. I mean, I used to listen to Art Bill and all those time travelers he had on his oh, show. Yeah. And now, you know, when I was out in the field uh, at the meadow where we do some of our field research, I was walking into the meadow one night. I was hiking in with a couple of my, with one of my teammates and his daughter. And I heard somebody scream from across the the creek, from across the, the water source, time travel, like really loud. And, uh, and I, and nobody else heard it, but what? me. It was, yeah. was it a female or a male? It, well, it, it was a female. And I, and I was, I was so taken aback by it. I was like, did you guys not hear that? Like it was a super loud voice. And it took like, a week or two later, y'all, maybe a month, I realized that was my voice. That's what I was just going to say. As yeah. soon as you said that, I said, that was you. Like, I felt it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was 100% yourself. my voice. I've wow. Heard, I've heard stories like that where the person will come and, like, let themselves know that time travel is real, you know? It was me. I have goosebumps right now thinking about <laughs> it. It was so profound. Uh, it was it was um, confusing when it happened, but then when I realized that was my voice, because, you know, I thought about it for a long time, and I was like, what was that? And then one day it just dawned on me, that was me. So, now, was I remote viewing myself and doing, like, a deep mind probe? Maybe. You know, uh, and letting myself see what it sounded like to do a deep mind probe on someone, maybe. Um, or did I time travel? Or you time traveled? Or you time traveled? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to think I time traveled. Right. I hope. You yeah. Did. There's no doubt. Doing what you're doing in the field that you're in, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, who knows what our future timelines look like? But like, there's no question yeah. that you or any one of us could end up stumbling into like a time travel, like discovering, stumbling upon time travel and come yeah. back. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a movie. I've um, already manifested it now. So right. I'm going to have to. Yeah, yeah. it's happening. Um, and <laughs> yeah. did you want to ask her anything uh, before we wrap this up? Um, no, I was just going to mention. Um, so Sean David Morton has a book series called Sands of Time. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it. No, I haven't. It's based on, I think he said it was like, it's it's supposedly based on a real story that he, he got a hold of somehow. Uh, and he had to make it into like a fiction, you know, story, even though it's all real. Uh, so he sent Tyler and I the book one, and I'm still actually reading. I'm only like halfway through it still, but it's dealing with Montauk and the stuff that went on there in like the 50s. Uh, the the experiments with this the center centers around this main character who um they bring in as a scientist to work at Montauk and then he ends up doing all these crazy things and then he finds out that there's this like shadowy group that's controlling it that um they're they like he gets in trouble you know for what he did basically because he he realizes like oh this isn't just like they're just trying to um do experiments and figure out things it's like they have agenda there's a shadowy group that has these specific agendas that they're they're very nefarious and all this kind of stuff and it it kind of goes from there but it deals with time travel like that's 
that's like the biggest aspect of it so, yeah he he did he did send us that book i haven't read it yet now i have now I'm you you need to it yeah it's i'm only like halfway through book one but it's amazing and there's i forget there's like at least four books i think in the series yeah there is yeah and guys we have to acknowledge aaron's hat this is the introduction i was gonna gonna say first time wearing a hat in the podcast but it's awesome it's a sasquatch world premiere of the sasquatch hat (laughs) i like it yeah it's awesome my my partner gave this to me actually it was a gift i love that Yeah, i saw him walk up to the sunfire fest wearing it and i didn't I was looking for you in the crowd of people and I didn't even register with you because I'd never seen you in a hat before. <laughs> like, oh, Aaron's wearing a hat. That's so weird. Like, <laughs> like oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, anyway, this has been incredible. Yeah. Can you please let Thank people you. know how they can find you and what shows you host? I know you're doing all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. I stay busy. Thank you. Yeah. The easiest place for people to find me is my website, thecryptidhuntress.com. All of my shows are there, uh, all my social media links. It's a great way to get in touch with me. There's a little box that pops up as soon as you go to thecryptidhuntress.com. And uh, and it says, hey, do you want to talk to me? <laughs> so just type in something. I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, but also, I, um, I have a really great YouTube channel. It's called The Cryptid Huntress. I do live shows there every Wednesday and Thursday, um, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Thursday night is my remote viewing show. And, uh, and I talk about cryptids. I talk about all the stuff, time travel, teleportation, whatever. It's all, it's all there. Whatever I feel like talking about. Um, is there. And then on Saturday and Sunday nights, I'm a weekend host at Spaced Out Radio. I have a show there called Off the Trails. And uh, and that is at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, every Saturday and Sunday at night. So you guys can find me there. And uh, yeah, any events that I'm going to be speaking at, they're all on my website. So um, I'm, I go to Bigfoot festivals and things like that. So um, yeah. small, small town stuff. Usually that's what I got on my schedule uh, for the rest of the year. Awesome. But well, yeah, thank you all for having me. The, no, yeah thank, thank you. you yeah i'm i'm glad we finally got to lock you in for a solo interview uh because we got to really dive in we haven't gotten a chance to do that so i appreciate it and guys uh i was just on spaced out radio with her last saturday so if you want to check that mm-hmm. out go over to spaced out radio and um yeah so go check that out if you feel compelled to and thank you so much don't forget our webinar is coming up our documentary is available i'll be speaking at the uh, xcon XCon sounds funny. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be like unexplained conference, but X, uh, the XCon conference at the end of um, October in Springfield, Missouri. And that link is below if you want to come out and hang out. So Margie, Margie K, it's like her conference, right? Yeah, yeah. Margie K's. Margie K. Yeah, she's behind it all. And um, so, yeah, there you go. I think that's it. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you all. And until next time, have a great evening. Good night, guys. Bye, guys. A lot of this information has been kept uh, uh, sort of locked up or kept undercover because of the invasion of the Smithsonian group way back in the 1880s. What actually happens is it's not taken to preserve it. It's taken to hide it. And. Um... About four and a half miles from here, a cave was discovered. It's not really a cave as such, it's a man-made cavern system. But how the hell do you get that much granite? Because the granite on the base of that damn near weighs what the dirt on the top of it weighs. Nobody knows what's underneath it. I've heard a theory that there's a spaceship underneath it. 
there was copper and steel plated artifacts that depicted men in armor with shields and helmets. Including right here at Cahokia, there were reported two giants with double rows of teeth and six fingers and six toes. Extra vertebrae or extra ribs in their cage. These are different races of people. They're not just regular humans. Definitely is a stone burial chamber and there's a large body in it of bones. I would say 15 to 16 feet. I saw different types of extraterrestrials here with the Native Americans. The peoples of the Cahokia Mounds actually saw the Birdman as some kind of cosmic being and not a humanoid being. So this Birdman was the last and the pure and the true of his kind. So yes, there are, there were rituals or there were dances and celebrations and people would dress up like the galactic beings that were visiting. Um, but there were actual physical galactic beings that were visiting. 